Amen. Would you bring your Bibles this morning? Let's get into this this morning and just continue on with what that is. Let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you for your word that is alive in, in our lives today. I thank you for your word that is the seed that contains your life, that produces your character, your nature, and transforms us into the image of your Son. So, Father, we ask you, do what only you can do. Be glorified through the transforming work of your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're continuing on. The Lord won't let me move off of this, so it's turning into a a little mini-series, and uh, just dealing with this rebellion, and, uh, and rebelling for intimacy with God, and having that desire that we would just move with God, and removing what comes between us, and I'm really going to kind of drill down on that this morning, um, and I think about it as a pastor, my responsibility is not to make you dependent upon me. My responsibility is to lead you into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're dependent upon men, then men can't do for you what God can do for you. So it's to get you that place where you have a hunger, a desire to move into a closer, more intimate relationship with the Lord. And I, I always use this analogy and it, because it's the one that God gave us. And it's a relationship between a man and a woman. And so that's why God created man and woman is because he made woman from man. And he designed a way that they would be brought back together, that the woman would be joined back with the one she was created from. And so in our relationship with God, God made us from him. Let us make man in our own image. So we were created from God, by God, for God, to be joined together with him. And so through the relationship between the man and the woman, God teaches us how we're supposed to have relationship with him. And when I met my wife, I decided to go after her, not anybody else. And since I've met her, I'm not allowed to have anybody else between her and me. A little hint. <laughs> Amen. Especially if you want to be happy. Amen. And so in that, then you find somebody that's worth giving up every other person for. She's the person that I chose to do life with for the rest of my life. Amen? And so in order for that to work, I have to make sure I don't let things come between us. Nothing is more important in life than our relationship together. Everything comes to pass. Everything in life comes to pass. It comes and it goes. How many have been through some stuff and you're still here? The stuff came, the stuff went, and you're still here. Even children. The, the great thing about a relationship is, is that you have children. It's funny one time this young man was at our house, and uh, it was several years ago, but our kids have been grown for quite some time. And uh, so we were there, and he comes by the house. He goes, man, don't you miss having your kids around? I said, well, just wait, wait, wait. I said, just, just stop and listen. I said, what do you hear? He said, nothing. I said, that's awesome. <laughs> it's glorious. Amen. And, and so I, I said, I did my time. I served 32 years in child raising. 
Amen. And dealing with that. And uh, so in going through that whole process, I said, man, I'm, I'm excited to have this season of my life. Because your children grow and go. For those of you online, that's a word for you. They're supposed to grow and go. Amen. And, uh, and so in that area, that's our job, to raise them to be responsible enough to go and succeed on their own. Amen. Not requiring any assistance or aid. Could I get amen? So moving that line. That's the glory. When you can get your children that place, that's awesome. And so with that, but in that, then that means you too are together again. And so what brought, you still should have what brought you together in the beginning and not let anything divide you so that when that time is you're alone together again, you still have that bond that you had at the beginning. Are you doing all right? I, I feel like the Lord's having me say this for somebody, so probably for somebody online. But uh, so you, you want to preserve that. And even in all relationship, if, if you're struggling in your relationship today, I always tell people when they come in, I would say to them this. There was a day when you looked at each other and liked each other. There was a day when you looked at each other and you were infatuated with each other. There was a day when you looked at each other and you desired one another. There was a day that you looked at each other and you were, you were willing to give up everything to be with that person. So I said, what's come between you? What changed that? What caused you to lose the romance, the desire, and the, the, the passion that you had for that person? Then go back and remove that and begin there. Amen? Hallelujah. God's good. Hallelujah. So that's what we're after. We're after removing what comes to me. Go to me, Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. I also tell people when they, I don't get a lot of counseling return visits. I tell people when they come in, if they're having relationships problems, I say, I say this. I say, well, let's settle this from the get-go. If your idea of relationships was good, your concept of what it means to be in a relationship was good and right, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? So something's wrong in your concept or we wouldn't be here. Because when your concept is right and you're living that out, you don't have the problems that bring you to a place where you need counseling. Are you doing all right? Anyway, I, I'm just, I'm kind of simple. So uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to begin, if you would, in verse 11. And I want to talk to you this morning about being one. And I want you to listen to what Paul's saying here and grab this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember <coughs> that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hand, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now. Somebody say, but now. And the but nows of the Bible are so good. In Christ Jesus, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both what? One. One and has broken down the middle wall of what? 
He has removed what was separating, what was between. He's taken away what was between and made two one. Are you doing all right? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one, watch this, one new man from two. One new man from two. Let me put you like this. There's some things that you're going to have to separate in your thinking. There's things in just your thinking about God and, and how he sees things in the earth that are between you and him. Let me put you like this. God only sees two men in the earth. Romans 8, uh, Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talked about Adam, about the first Adam and the second Adam. You are either in the first Adam or you are in the second Adam. God only sees one man. He only sees you in Christ. He doesn't see you. He sees you in Christ. The moment you are saved, we went through this, the moment you are saved, you are what? You are baptized into the body of Christ and you are a member of his body. So when God sees the church, he sees one man, he sees Christ in the earth. The church is called the body of Christ. It's not called the parts of Christ. It's called one thing, the body of Christ. Are you doing all right? And so when God sees the world, he sees the world in Adam. They're falling. They're, we just read. They're separated. They're, they're in the world. They're separated from God. But the moment you accept Christ, you are now in him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creator. So in, in him, scriptures are powerful to understand. So when I see myself in him, it frees me from myself. Because until I, because seeing myself in myself is a big separator between me and God. I have to see myself delivered from myself. My old man is dead. And I'm now a new man raised to new life in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus. Are you doing all right? So, so God, look at what he said. So, so there was the division here. Paul's talking about the division between the Jew and the Gentile. And he took all the separation. They have the covenants. They have the promises. And they said, well, you guys can't inherit that. Paul says, this is what God did. He took the separation out from between you. And he joined all of humanity together in one man in Christ. Are you doing all right? So we're talking about the rebellion. Rebellion against the thing that come between us and God. So stay with me. And people still doing that. What are we looking at today? Look at all the racism stuff we have today. What does all that do? It creates division between people groups. It tells us you, you have to hold on to all these differences. You can't, you can't become one together. And God says, this is what I did. This is who all you guys were. But I took all that out of the way through my son. What, look, read it again. And he himself, for, verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished. I'm going to say abolished. In his flesh, the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God. How? In one body. In one body. Glory to God. 
How? Through the cross, thereby putting to death, putting to death the enmity, that which was between. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by what? One spirit to the Father. Wow. Isn't that good? That's good. We just quit and go home right there. Amen. But that probably won't happen. Amen. So, so go to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. Now watch this. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now watch this. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil... That his flesh, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw what? Near, Near with the true heart in full assurance, having faith, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good work, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. How? Together. Assembling together as the body, as one in Christ. Coming together as the body, as one in Christ. As uh, together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And I want you to think about that. Look at all the things that have been happening in our culture and our society today that is causing people to forsake assembling together. Well, it came with COVID, everything else, so many things happening. But, but God says, man, don't forsake that, that coming together because the power is in becoming one. On the day of Pentecost, it says that they were all in one place in one accord. Are you doing all right? Something happens when the body of Christ begins to move as one. And that's what the devil is afraid of. What the enemy works against is keeping things from us becoming one as individuals in our personal relationship, knowing who we are as individuals in Christ, and then knowing who we are and how we are to operate as the body of Christ as one in the earth. Are you doing all right? So look at your outline with me. The rebellion of God in our lives is against the authority, control, and tradition produced by the fall of Adam that is contrary to his purpose for his creation. Redemption is rebellion against sin and death. Jesus came in rebellion against sin and death and, and came to redeem us out of that. He rebe- Everything God is is rebellion against that. The word of God is direct rebellion against sin and death. Jesus rebelled against the self-life of humanity to redeem us back into a unified life with God. Everything God attacks in our life is our self-life. Everything we have to do, we have to die to ourselves. And the more I die to myself, the more I put off the old man and desire to walk in the new man, the more intimate my relationship becomes with God. The more I, he already knows all about me. He already knows all about you. But the more I let go of me, the more he shows me himself. Amen? And that's what's so awesome. So think about it. God is after a relationship with us that has nothing in between us. God wants a relationship with you with nothing in between you. He just wants you. 
That's what's so amazing. When you just want him and nothing else. I'm so thankful there are over 7,000 promises of things he said he would do for us. But I love him when he does nothing. I love him not because of what he does. Let me go back to marriage. If you only love your spouse for what they do for you, how will you love them when they don't do for you? If your love, your relationship is based on what you receive from them, not on who they are, then when all they have to give is just who they are, that won't be enough to hold your love. Because your love is dependent upon what they do for you, not dependent upon just who they are. I love my wife for who she is, not for what she does. The benefit is what she does. The love is based on just who she is. Amen. Are you doing okay? Same thing with God. I love God for who he is. He's God. Let, let me go back to that. Worship. How many know there's a difference between worship and praise? We worship God just for who he is. We praise him for what he's done. Praise is thanksgiving to God. Thank you, God. You're amazing. Thank you for redeeming me. But God, I worship you because you are God. You're just God. That's why there's creatures, and all they do is say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He just, he's worshipped for who he is. Amen? Regardless of what he does, he deserves our worship just for who he is. So awesome. So God is after that in our life. We must desire to rebel against anything that comes between us and our relationship with God. Think about it. The devil is the master of the divide. The devil is always working to divide. He's always working to introduce something in between. There's always going to be something that he tries to bring in between you, your relationship with God. He tries to bring, watch it. Why do we have prayer for marriages on the walls? Because something's come between their union. Things begin to get in between the union from the day they started. Are you doing all right? And many times it happens because we come to, together and we think we don't have to give anything up. That's the same thing that happens with Christianity. If you try to come, come together with God and hold on to your old life, you're never going to make it very far in your walk with God. Amen. Christianity is a resurrection. You live in resurrected life in Christ. And you can't have a resurrection without dead. Amen. You have to be dead to be raised. Are you doing all right? So watch it. So God's original intent for his creation was for us to have a relationship with him with nothing in between it. Since the fall of Adam in the garden, man has battled with the things that come between him and his relationship with God, beginning with himself. We always think it's everything else outside. This I've been trying to get across the last couple of weeks. We want to say, it's all this outside. No, it's probably just what's in you. If, if I can let God deal with me, well, I don't like that because if I have to deal with me, I can't blame anybody else for my problems. It's much better when I can blame something outside of me for my problem, and I don't have to take ownership of that stuff, because if I take ownership of it, then I have to deal with it, but I don't want to deal with it. I'd rather excuse myself than own up to myself. That was a good word right there. Amen. So what? Our rebellion began. Here we are. We have to desire that our rebellion begin when we rise to resist or rise against any authority or control or tradition that comes between our personal relationship with God. Amen? 
you have to refuse to let anything come between. And if it tries to, you have to stand in rebellion and resistance against it. I'm using rebellion because we, 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 we think we're too casual about our view of resistance. Well, I said no. It might take a little more than just saying no. <coughs> Amen? So what? Anything that comes between our relationship with God, hear it again. The heart of God is that we would be one with Him. Go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read it again this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Yesterday morning, we had a great time of prayer at Sister Khadijah in Yeshua's house. And uh, they host a prayer meeting every Saturday morning from 7 to 10. And so if you want to go to a prayer meeting on Saturday morning, uh, you can get with Sister Khadijah. And she'll uh, give you their address there and uh, come down and join us. But we prayed and dealt and spoke to this issue about dealing with strongholds yesterday and in our lives. So I want you to read this and see who this applies to. This doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. This is in our own personal life. 2 Corinthians 10 and beginning in verse 3. It says this. um, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Whose thought life do you have control over? Do you have control over my thought life? Can you change my thought life? No. So this scripture, spirit. see, many people have taken this scripture and tried to use it outward that we're going to control all these thoughts of the world. We're going to capture all these strongholds and pull down all these strongholds in the world, do all the spiritual warfare against all the thoughts and the mindset of this world. No, Paul's talking to that. Hey, in between your two ears, in between your two ears, there's a battle going on. And you're going to have to fight this battle in your own head and get your brain into submission to God. Because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you have to bring your mind into agreement with the Word of God. And the Word of God usually goes contrary to the things that have been introduced into your life. Control, authority, and traditions. Doing all right? Those things. So those are things that have to come again. People say, well, I know the Word of God says that, but that's a stronghold. Anytime I argue about something, anytime I hear the Word, and I just go, man, I, I probably need to deal with that. I need to apply that to my life. But if I try to resist the Word, then I'm dealing with a stronghold in my mind, not somebody else. In this message today, everybody in this room, this is going to hit you in your own personal spot. Amen. Preaching is like shooting a shotgun. I mean, just kind of throw it out there and hope you hit something. Amen. So watch this. But no, but it, it, at many times it comes to you like a rifle. And God just got zeroed in right on you. He's got his crosshairs on you and he's aiming right at you. And you're looking around saying, man, is he talking to anybody but me? <laughs> Amen? Amen? So Paul says this in our thought life that we have to be willing to come against those things because we desire nothing else 
is needed or desired but him in our life. Look inside your outline. John 17, verses 20 through 21. And we read those other scriptures starting out where Paul said that, that he had made us as the body of Christ. He had made us one in one body in Christ. Look at what Jesus prayed in John 17. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. Or listen, now, I remember a few weeks ago we talked about the power of your yes. So this is how powerful your yes. Look at what Jesus, Jesus, this is his high priestly prayer going to the garden. This is his last prayer, praying for his disciples, praying over them. And he's praying that, that they would walk in unity together, be one together. But listen to what he said. I'm praying for these, but I'm not only praying for these, I'm praying for those who are going to believe in me through their words. So God has given that assignment of reconciliation, of relationship, of bringing men back to God through our yes to him. To be a vessel that he can use to share the message of the gospel with people so God can redeem humanity to himself. He needs our yes. Can you say amen? He needs our yes. And then we have to remove everything in between that argues with being used by God. But there's people who will not believe unless they hear us bring the message to them. So what? that's what Jesus said. For those who believe in me through their message. May they all be what? One. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us. Now, let me just help you with this and think about this. And even this morning as I was praying, the Lord gave me some other scriptures. But God only sees things as one. Everything with God is one. He has one nation. He has one son. He's one God with three parts. These three are one. In fact, just keep your finger right here and turn over to 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, verse 6, speaking of Christ, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And is the Spirit, and it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit of truth, because the Spirit is true. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There are three that bear witness on earth, spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as what? One. So God deals in ones. He's redeeming one church. He's redeeming one person. God's only redeeming, I, I hope this doesn't mess you up too bad. God's only redeeming one person out of the earth, Christ, and those who are in him. To be redeemed out of the earth, I have to be in Christ. I can't be over here in me thinking I'm in him, doing my thing, my Christianity, my faith, my, doing my because I, I don't get to have my in him. I just get him. I just come to do 
His will, not my will. I do, I, I live as Jesus said. Father, not my will, but yours be done. You know, the biggest thing between all of us in our life with God is our will. I have to lay down my will. And one of our biggest responses to God is, yeah, but I. Yeah, but I. Yeah, but I. Amen. So, so those three bear record, okay? Watch this. So John 17, Jesus said that they, that they may all be one as you and I are one. Now why? So the world may believe. Why? So the world may believe you sent me. So all the division in the body of Christ and all the division amongst believers causes the people not to believe in God. Amen. Doing all right? Yeah. Now what? That you sent me. I have given them. This is so powerful. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one. So the world may know you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. And there's something so powerful about us moving towards becoming one together. And the devil knows it and he fights against it. He is the master of dividing to keep us as two. Divorce comes. Divorce means divided vision, divided force. Divorce comes as a, it's when there is a divided force. There's no longer agreement. There's a division of the force. You, you have a power in being one. There's amazing power in being one. But anything that can create a divided force, that can divide that force into two, is what the enemy works for. In your marriage, in your life, in the church. Doing okay? And so until I understand that, and, and when the Bible says that we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood or, or in, uh, in fact, go, go to Ephesians 6. Let's just go and read it. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. All the wiles, the tricks, the schemes of the devil. So we're fighting against the devil who is coming to divide our force. Bring division. And he does it all the time. He listen to people. And so Jesus talked about it in the area of offenses. Talk about in the area of bitterness and resentment, things that happen, activities. He tells us to walk in forgiveness, not to let those things divide you, to come between you. Are you doing all right? And let me go back to this. So it even gets down to that where we get where we can't have relationship with them. Jesus said, man, if you can't walk in love towards you, those you can see, John said, not Jesus, but the Lord said, he said, if you can't walk in love towards those you can see, how can you say you love God who you can't see? So I prove God by walking in oneness in relationship with people. Amen. Are you doing okay? Especially in the body of Christ. Yeah. Amen. So let's go back to this. Well, Ephesians 6. So against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against what? 
flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness world, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, be with able to withstand in the evil, evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And so, guarding our hearts, warfare. And so I'm battling to keep division from coming between. To keep that separation from happening. How many know a good marriage is worth fighting for? How many know a good church is worth fighting for? How many know a relationship with God's worth fighting for? Because the, devil's ne- the devil never stops coming again. Jesus said, he said to the disciples, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this way, they will not prevail. He didn't say they won't come against it. Many people have a view of Christianity. I just want to get to the place where I'm not under attack anymore. Well, die and go to heaven. The only way to get from out from under the attack of the enemy in this world and the onslaught of the enemy is not to be here. Because he is the God of this world and you are in this world, but you are not of this world. You're supposed to understand that if you are in Christ, you are in a place where you have authority over him. He does not have authority over you. So you'll quit giving him authority with your mouth into your life. You'll get back over here and declare that you have authority over him and declare that authority over him and walk in that authority over him. Because you know who you are in Christ. But if I do it on my own, then I'm resting on it. So when I'm going through all these things over here, then I've allowed things to come between my identity of who I am in Christ. And I'm living out of my own identity, my own strength, my own power. my own. I don't know how. What are we going to do? I don't know how this is going to work out. Oh, my God is my favorite term. We're doing all right. In between, let me give you this. It's almost a closer. I was jealous. A guy told me yesterday he preached for three and a half hours. I said, I want to do that. Anybody good for three and a half hours today? Let's go. Let's go. There'll be like five of us left here today. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I put it like this. Well, I won't say that. The in-between. The in-between. What are the in-between things? Jesus told us they are the cares of this world. They are the deceitfulness of riches. They are lust and desires for other things. Listen to this. Listen. Entering in. Entering in. Entering in. Entering in. In where? Entering in between you and God. Your devotion, your commitment. Entering in between your relationship. Watch what he said. So what are the things that enter in to hinder and compete with our obedience to God? Think about this. They can be our personal insights and sympathies. It can be conferring with flesh and blood. See, when God speaks to you, Paul said it like this. When the Lord appeared to me, he said, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I just went and spent three and a half years on the backside of the desert and let God flush my brain. I went, I went and spent time away from it. I didn't confer with flesh and blood. God will speak to us and God begins to deal with that. And then we go, man, the Lord's talking about, what do you think? Well, you need to go back and ask God why he said that and what he thinks. Because those people don't know you like God knows you. Are you doing okay? Yes, All right. 
So watch this. It doesn't mean I don't get advice, but it means that I don't turn away from God and allow other people's opinions to move me off of what God said. They can be a, our personal insights and sympathies. It can be conferring with flesh and blood, seeking the opinions and options of others. We know we've heard God speak, but we seek to find excuses and alternatives to direct and present or immediate obedience. Amen. Yesterday morning, I was down at Khadijah's and praying. And, well, we had a prayer time at the end, and I'm just praying there. I'm just up at the uh, altar there, and I'm just praying. And I felt the Lord said, just ask if anybody has any intestinal problems. I said, well, Lord, I just up here to pray. I didn't have to do anything. And so the next thing I know, I get up and I, and I share that. And five ladies come forth and uh, all having issues. And one had an issue yesterday and all this stuff and just a confirming word. Are oh, you listening to me? But see, if you sit there, when, when that comes in, you'll confer with yourself. The Lord speaks to you. And then you begin to confer with yourself. Yeah, what, I got this word. What do you think? What should I do? No, God just wants your obedience. He wants you to learn his voice, to trust his voice, and then to step out. Well, then you'll go, well, what if I say that and it's nobody here? I don't care. You have to get past caring. You have to get past caring what you will look like if nobody responds. You're too concerned about yourself and how you look to be obedient to God. People say, well, I've never felt the Lord give me a word. Have you ever asked for a word? Have you ever said, Lord, if you give it, I'll say it? Well, yes, but then he gave it, and I just I wrestled with myself through the whole service, and I didn't say nothing. This is really good this morning. I hope I'm not discouraging you. Watch this. So those areas. So watch this. Jesus made it clear that the attacks of the enemy against our life is for the word's sake. Satan works to keep the word of God from producing the life and the harvest it contains through our life. God sows the seed of his word into the soil of our heart to produce the harvest of his purpose in the earth. The harvest of this word. Let me tell you what that. The harvest of this word is to redeem humanity. The harvest of the word is souls being saved. It's not just meeting. The Lord meets your needs and answers your prayers so you are free to give yourself to others. So he can give himself through you to someone else. I don't just live having God help me, help me, help me, help me. Many Christians' prayers sounds like a TV evangelist. Won't you help me? Won't you help me? <laughs> Our prayers are not just supposed to be asking for help. It's supposed to be knowing that, God, there's nothing between us. I know I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. I don't have to have anxiety about my care. I know you care for me. Look, look what Jesus said. Casting all your cares upon him. Be, why? Because. Because, because what? Because he cares for you. So if I can give him my cares, he can put his care for somebody else into somebody into my life. So that I can reach out through somebody else. Are you doing okay? And so in that area, so the harvest of this word is redemption. The Lord wants to get his word. And when his word gets inside of me, it begins to produce his nature, his character. The devil does not want the life that this word contains in you. 
everything and every attack, he's coming between you and the word. He always comes between you and the word. He does not want this word in your life. He wants you to not have time for the word. He, he tells you, well, it's just too complicated. I can't understand it. I, I just read it and I don't understand it. You never understood anything in life until you studied it. You only understand what you've given yourself to understand. Everything you know, you know because you gave yourself to know it. You don't know anything by osmosis. It just came in you. You know it because you desired to know it and you pursued to know it and you acquired the knowledge of it. I'm doing all right. Hallelujah. I wish I was a seeker-friendly pastor. Thank God Amen. No, watch this. So, so watch, watch. Look what Jesus said. So the devil fight. Get this, please, this next part. The devil's fight is not against you personal. The devil is not fighting against you personally. You don't mean anything to him. Unless the word is in you. And the word is producing the life and the power that it contains. You are no threat to the devil by yourself. Yes, he hates all of humanity. And so he conquered all of humanity in the garden. He got them to inherit a fallen nature. A sin nature. You are born with a sin nature. You do it automatically without thinking. I do. Maybe you don't. I don't have to work at being stupid. It's resident within me. I don't have... Watch this, watch this. Why does Proverbs Proverb say this? Rebellion is bound in the heart of a child. Why are parents taught to train and to teach and instruct their children and to not allow rebellion to remain there? Because they're born with that in them, and they have a will. So the minute that little child begins to move and can do different things, the first thing they do is begin to manifest their will, and their will is always contrary to your will. Who taught them to do that? Where do they learn to say no? Where do they learn to... Huh? It's a good thing I can't hear. Amen. So what? From, oh, from their mother. Wow. Who's, who said that? I'm going to put a whoop on somebody. Oh, Michael said that? Oh, my God. Father, we pray for Mike this morning in the name of Jesus, Lord. Heal him, Lord. Heal him, Lord. Amen. <laughs> No, just go put two little babies, just work in the nursery, get one little toy, and put it between two little babies and watch the circus. Mine, 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 all mine, mine, mine. I let one take it, let one take it with the other. And because, so that's in them. Are you doing all right? That's in them. And so the de- I'm saying that because the devil won the victory in the garden. Because without the word of God in you, you are now living of the consequence of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And you judge everything in your own mind by whether it's good and evil. And as long as the devil has you living out of the knowledge of good and evil, he doesn't have to exercise control of your life. Your own control over your own life is leading you away from God. Because you were not saved to live by the knowledge of good and evil. You were saved to be led by the Spirit. You are saved to walk in the Spirit, to be one with God, to have fellowship with God, to hear His voice and obey His voice and be led by His Spirit in your life. Not to determine whether you think it is good or bad. Are you doing all right? And so as long as I'm operating on the knowledge of good and evil, I'm not a threat to Him. But if I get the Word on the inside of me and I start saying, God, be it unto me according to Your Word. Lord, I'm going to do Your Word. I'm going to live Your Word. I'm going to believe Your Word. No matter what I have to stand against, no matter what the opposition, no matter what the persecution, no matter what the affliction, I'm going to stand. I'm going to believe to see and receive Your Word come to pass in my life. The devil says, I need to do something about that. Because if they really do that and start walking in that, that means they're going to bring destruction to my kingdom. And they're going to start believing they can lead people out of hell into heaven. And I don't want to lose anybody out of hell. I'm keeping everything I can away from God. And so you begin to go in and plunder the enemy's camp. And the devil says, I don't like my camp being plundered. So I'm going to come against you and try to get you to give up. And that's when you say, now I'm fighting a spiritual battle. Are you doing all right? So look at this verse here. So his goal is to always, his fight is against God's redemptive plan working through your life personally. The devil is fighting against the redemption of humanity that comes through God's word being sown into the hearts of his people. Let me put it like this. I shared it with you last week when, or a couple weeks ago. God would go through that whole thing and burning and transitioning. And the pastor says, going to, have you ever thought going to these areas where there's never been a Pentecostal work? He said, no, I've never had that thought. And so the whole transition, next thing you know, you find us there. We go preach there. God begins to open that door. Boom, I come down with bubonic plague. Because the devil, the devil knows I'm crazy enough to go there and just declare it. I've, I've sold out. I've made the sold out pledge. I'm married to God. I, I, gave the, I made the vow and I meant the vow. Are you doing all right? So he knows, man, if I get there, I'm going to do something that's never been done there. I'm going to go declare the whole counsel of God. I'm not going to be moved by the people. Man, I have professional people there. I had a guy sat there looking at me every Sunday like this. His favorite song was, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's it. <laughs> but you go, and the devil says, hey, I'll attack you. We planted our church here, and we're starting. We're driving down the hill, taking some kids back to Bernie from youth camp and stuff. And man, we have a car wreck. People stop, slam on their brakes right in front of us on the freeway going down Bass Lake Gray. Bam! Slams into our car. Everything happens. Totals everything. Push them into another car. All kinds of stuff. But not one person injured. See, the devil will always look to work against you. The attack comes really from the enemy when you're doing the will of God and being involved in his redemptive plan. Anybody thankful I didn't die of bubonic plague? Anybody glad we survived the car wreck? I mean, all that does. So the devil wants to stop the word of God from going forth because people are connected to your life. Every one of you that's born of God has people connected to your life. God wants to work his redemptive plan through you. This is part of your problem, though, is that you, the thing in between you and God is the people you want him to save. 
Well, God, I want you to save all these people. These are all my, those are all my people. Those are my peeps on the wall. I want all those people saved. The Lord says, give them to me, and now go reach the people I can only reach through your life. It's called seed, time, and harvest. I will sow my life into the soil of his kingdom to reap his harvest through my life. And if I give my life for his harvest, he makes sure I receive the desires of my heart. So how do I see my family saved? How do I see my loved ones saved? Get, quit focusing on them. Quit being fixated on them. And say, Lord, who do you want me to reach for you? What do you want to do through my life? There are people connected to your life. And when you give your life to the will of God and you don't let anything become between you and him, can you send me? That's why Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Are you doing all right this morning? And you let God send you, then God begins to move. And you look back and say, God, it's amazing how you moved in that situation. The moment you let it go. My grandmother, my grandfather pastored for 56 years. And, and uh, I, I, I was the perfect child growing up. I was never in any trouble till I was six months old. But I definitely needed to be saved. And my mom would pray for me all the time. Oh God, oh God, oh God. And one day, my grandmother told my mom. She said, honey, you need to give him to God. And then start thanking God for him. Two years later, I gave my life to the Lord. She prayed for me for 23 years, weeping on my life, crying for me to get saved. But once she gave me to God and let go, once you let God have what you're asking Him to do, instead of telling Him how to do what you're asking Him to do, once you give it to Him, once you cast your care upon Him, you don't go take it back the next time you pray. Because you're no longer, you give it to him and you just move on and go do what he needs you to do. I'll take care of this. You go do that for me. And he'll give you the harvest. Are you doing okay? All right, read this first. Elisha, if you guys will come back, please. The goal and the strategy of the devil is always to come between to divide and to separate you from the word of God. Others are sown. Mark chapter 4 talks about the wayside ground, the stony ground, and then it talks about the thorny ground. It says, others are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but watch this. The worries of this age, the seduction of wealth, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. Watch this. And it becomes unfruitful. Those things enter in. They enter in between. And they cause the word that was productive to become unproductive. In our life and our walk with God, your life with God should be a productive life with God. The verse goes on to say, these are they that fell upon good ground. And it went into the soil of a man's heart. And the seed that gets into the good ground of a good heart with nothing in between produces some 30, 60, and 100 fold. So look what he said. Listen to what the Amplified Bible says there. It's there in your outline. 
It says this. And the ones among the thorns are others who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world. People are facing lots of cares and anxieties right now. And that, watch this. And the distractions of the age. And the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches. Isn't it amazing how they make everything look glamorous? I was amazed at how all the glamorous people have really lots of problems. <laughs> the glamour and deceitfulness of riches and then the craving passionate desire for other things watch this they creep in choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless God's will is not for anybody's life to be fruitless and if I could say it like this the fruit of the kingdom is people God wants your life to bear fruit. Your fruit is people. God has somebody connected to your life. My passion is your pastor. It's just to help you get free. To trust God, believe God. That you can have a yes to God with no reserve, no regrets. And have an excitement in your heart to discover and to see what God would do through your life. Who would he reach through you? I never would have expected the things He has allowed me to do. I just get amazed all the time. When I look back at all the things that happened, that's what's so cool about saying, yeah, you look back and you go, wow, this has been awesome. And then you get excited about what He still has in store. Man, if He took me there, if He did that, if I got to do that just by saying, yeah, I wonder what He still has in store. But then what enters in in many of our lives is we start to get a little older. Amen. Then I start going, man, I allow my age to get in between. And I start thinking, well, at this point in my life, I should be kicking it. I'm, I'm kind of like this. Kick it when you get to heaven. You have eternity with God to kick it. To enjoy the fruits of your labors. That doesn't mean you don't get vacation and do any other, other things like that. But we find when we go on vacation, we find ourselves ministering to people. Amen. Khadijah and Yeshua went on a trip to Japan. Next thing you know, they're leaving everybody on the trip to Jesus in Japan. Their tour guides getting saved, people getting saved, this is getting to happen, they're going in. Huh? Or oh, China, China, I mean, yeah. Amen. Well, they tried to reach the whole continent of Asia. Amen. So there. Anyway, but they're there. But when you, do, when you just say yes to God, His life flows out of you. And, and God, the only way God reaches people is through people. And the greatest reward, and even my heart is your pastor. I want everybody saved. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, just say yes. Quit, quit, quit arm wrestling with God. As soon as I get everything together, you can't fix it. That's why Jesus died for you. So I just give up and I say yes to God. And then I go on this great discovery to find out what my yes means. Would you stand with me this morning?
My pastor used to tell us as young men, he said, you need to preach on the call at least once a month. I said, I feel like I preach on it every service. But that's what God put in me. It's just to encourage you to believe God. Like I said a few weeks ago, the reason we're Solid Rock Faith Center is I want you to believe that the Word of God will really do what God said it would do. That if you hear the Word and do the Word, then that means your life is built upon the solid foundation of His Word. And no matter what comes against your life, it will not tear down your house. You will endure the storms, the winds, the floods. They'll come against you, but you will stand because you are a doer of the Word. My heart, my passion is for you to be a believer that is able to endure. I want your life fixed, rooted, and grounded upon God's Word. I still am looking for Man, somebody help me. I need somebody who makes embroidered bracelets like this. And this just needs to become our logo. I got one more after this one. But I, I never take this off. It says, what does the word say? Not what would Jesus do. What does the word say? That's a nice thought, but what does the word say? So if you find somebody that makes these little, not, not the rubber band ones. Those are nasty. This is, I don't have to take it off. It just stays there. This one's been on for about two years. I shower in everything. It stays there all the time. Because I want to remind myself, what does the Word say? I want to live my life by God's Word. That's the only thing that endures. The only thing God is doing in the earth is His Word. Amen? Hallelujah. Just raise your hands to heaven just for a moment. there's anything that the Holy Spirit would show you right now, ask Him to. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, show me anything that's in between. If there's anything that I've allowed to enter in, what are the things that I have allowed to enter in? Show me those. David said it like this when it comes to one. Psalms 27. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after. Jesus said to the man, rich young ruler, one thing you lack. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3, one thing I do. God is gracious in that he will talk to you one thing at a time. He'll remove the things in between layer by layer. For hear me today, saith the Lord. You've been struggling and wrestling and fighting to try to remove in a lump the things that I can only remove layer by layer out of your life. I need you to believe me, to trust me, to walk with me so that I can show you the fullness of who I am. I need you to be open to the leading of my spirit so I can reveal to you those things that the enemy has used to bring between you and me. For my heart towards you is one with you.
And I will show you layer by layer the things that I will remove from your life. So I say to you today, trust me and allow me to bring that clarity into your life. And if you will allow my spirit to lead you, he will show you the truth and he will expose the error. And one by one, you will feel the weights and the burdens that have been upon your life begin to fall to the ground. And you will know the liberty that I have for you because I've declared over your life, those who the Son has set free are free indeed. And I am working by my spirit to bring my liberty to full fruition in your life. So allow my spirit to have his way in your life and in your heart. And see if you will not know the fullness of all that I have declared for you. It will come layer by layer, day by day, moment by moment. And it will not be by your strength. For I have never asked you to do anything by your strength. I have done it all through the life and the blood of of my son so let the redemptive power of the blood begin to remove and begin to wash layer by layer those things that are between it for I am working in your life to bring you into that place of one with me says the Lord hallelujah 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 thank you Father thank you Father thank you Lord so let God show you one layer at a time Come on, if you're ready for God to remove one thing out of your life, just move to this altar real quick. If anybody just wants one thing gone, just move right now. Come on, we're just going to pray. We're not going to spend a long time. We're just going to pray. Come on, does anybody have a desire just to let one thing go today? One thing. Not everything, one thing. Could you let one thing go? Could you say, God, take, take one thing. Lord, show me one thing. Holy Spirit, show me one thing. Let one layer fall away today. Lord, let one layer fall away today. God, I desire nothing but you. Nothing but you. Nothing but you in my life. I'm willing to let one layer fall away today. One layer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving right now on every heart, on every life. Holy Spirit, only you know. Only knew you know what's entered into every life. Lord, Lord, we preach in generalities, but Spirit of God, you deal in specifics. Lord, we, we can preach in, in, the, in the whole circumference of things, but you get right down to the issue. So, Father, I thank you right now that by your Spirit, you're showing every person right here one thing, just one thing, just one thing that they could let go. One thing that's entered in. One thing that's working to divide and to keep them further away from you than you desire them to be. Lord, your Word says nobody can come to the Father unless they are drawn by the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing us right now closer to the Father, closer to the Father, closer to the Father. Jesus, we just want you in our lives. Your word. Come on, just let that go. You tell the Lord. I I can't pray your prayer for you. I can pray for you, but I can't pray your prayer for you. I can pray over you. I can't pray for you. Father, move in their lives. Let that thing go. Just tell him, Lord, I lay that down right now. Lord, at this altar, I leave this right here. Holy Spirit, consume these issues right now. God, you're a consuming fire. Lord, we're obedient to your word. You said you beseeched us. Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Present your life a living sacrifice. Father, we lay this one issue of our life on this altar today. 
as a sacrifice to you. God, take this. We give it to you. We give it to you, Lord. We thank you. You're removing this layer off of our life. And Lord, we say yes to you to keep us going forward, layer by layer, just as your Spirit said, layer by layer. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord, to bring us into that oneness with you, with nothing between us. Thank you, Father. Come on, just let it go right now. Let it go. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just waiting on Him. Come on, you'll feel a release. You'll feel it when you, when you do it. You'll just feel the weight of that thing. Some of you are going to feel a weight. It's just like something's lifting right off your shoulder right now. Just let Him take it. Let Him have it. 